0: today allow the lord to teach us about shrinking the wall shrinking the wall amen we're going to read from the book of judges chapter 6 but before i read or as we get the scripture what is standing in the way of your victory what is hindering your breakthrough is it a spiritual problem is it a financial situation is it sickness? Is it What is it? What is standing in the way of your breakthrough? In the way of your victory? Is it a difficult relationship? Or a nagging habit? That uh, seemingly, it, 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 it just doesn't break. Just not breaking off. It's a habit. You've tried to come out of it. It's just not, it just seems so impossible. What are you struggling with today? For Joshua and the Israelites, It was the wall of Jericho. And this prosperous and heavily fortified city was the gateway to the promised land. And after wandering in the wilderness, they were in the wilderness for many years. One decade, two decades, three decades, 40 years. Because of their rebellion, because of their sin, because God had promised them. He's taking them from the land of Egypt to a promised land. And it would not have taken 40 years, but because of their rebellion and sin, it took them very many years for them to get there. But they were finally at the doorstep of a plentiful land, of the land that God had promised them for their inheritance. It's the land that God had promised their forefathers that He's going to give them. And it was a place of new beginning for them. It was a place that they could finally say, this is our land. This is our own place. They, were, they will finally say, no more wandering. No more uh, just we, are, we have a place of our own finally. But there was a condition. Lo and behold, there was a condition. They had to defeat Jericho. Jericho was the last city they had to defeat before getting to the promised land. And I want us to read from the story of uh, Jericho, bringing the walls down. The story of Jericho. Joshua... Joshua 6 says, Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. These are the people in Jericho. They were afraid of the Israelites. They had heard the things, the battles, the things that the Lord had done through them because everywhere that the Israelites would pass, They would level the place to the ground. They would bring the place to the ground. They they had terrified cities. They had terrified nations. They they had brought kings. uh, uh, They had made even kings' hearts tremble. And so Jericho, in their defense, they had prepared for them because they had known that these people are coming. This is the direction that they are taking. And we stand in their way. So in their defense, they had made some walls. So the place was just fortified. It was surrounded by walls because of the Israelites. And the, uh, no one was allowed to go out or in. This means that these people had taken care. It was a, it was a self-sufficient city. They had taken care of everything. They were, nobody was allowed to go in or out. Everything they needed was in that city. Let's continue. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days let's continue seven priests will walk ahead of the ark each carrying a ram's horn on the seventh day you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns when you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horn have all the people shout as loud as they can then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight. Into the town. Let's continue. So Joshua called together the priests and said, Take up the ark of the Lord's covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the people, March around the town and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. The armed men. And Joshua spoke to the people, the, even the seven priests with the ram's horn started marching to the presence, in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of the priests with the horns and some behind the ark with the priests continually blowing the horns. Do not shout. Do not even talk, Joshua commanded. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout. Then you will shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day. And then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. Joshua got up early the next morning and the priests again carried the ark of the Lord. The seven priests with the ram's horn marched in front of the ark of the Lord, blowing their horns. Again the armed men marched both in front of the priests with the horns and behind the ark of the Lord and this time the priests blowing their horns. On the second day, they again marched around the town once once and returned to the camp. They followed this pattern for six days. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time, they went around the town seven times. And the seventh time round, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the town. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering. To the Lord, Mark that as an offering to the Lord. Only rehab the prostitute and the others in the house will be spared, for she protected our spies. Do not take away any of the things. Verse 20. When the people heard the sound with the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. They completely destroyed everything in it with their swords, men and women, young and old cattle, sheep, goats, and donkeys. Meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, keep your promise. Go to the prostitute's house and bring her out along with all her army. Let's, let's reach there for now. To defeat a kingdom that was surrounded by two sets of massive, massive walls. Because that's what we are told. The Jericho did not just have one set of wall going round. The width was so was so was so big such that Rahab's house was built on top of the wall. For Rahab to be able to bring down to let down a rope and bring down the spice, it was because her house was on top of the wall. So how wide was that wall? How fortified was that wall. Not even an army would have brought those the army those days, the armies those days would have brought the walls down. It was that big. It was that wide. And it was securely, it was tightly secured. And Joshua and the Israelites have been given a task by the Lord. They've been told, you must conquer Jericho. I have given you the city of Jericho. Go in and possess it. You must destroy it. Everything in it must be destroyed. If I were Joshua or among the Israelites, my heart would have fainted. Honestly, to imagine such a fortified city, such a fortified town. How would those walls come down? I want us to look at five principles to obtain victory over your walls or over your present battles today. And the first one is focus on the greatness of God rather than the size of your problems. God promised the Israelites I'm going to give you this city. Yet the walls were up so high. They were so strong. It looked like an impossible task. It seemed like Something that cannot happen. And yet the Lord is saying, I have given you the city. It is yours for the taking. All you need to do is march around it six days. Every day, one time. No sound, nothing. And then the seventh day, you will march around it seven times. The sixth day, you march around it seven times. Those seemed, it seemed like... Some, some uh, method that was not normal. And conventional methods. It seemed like a strange instruction. It seemed like God would have used other means. Why go around the city? If God is able. If God is all powerful. If he able to bring these walls down. Why would he tell us to go around the city for six days? It seemed like God was. Looking at their heart to see, it, to see if they will obey the instructions that he had given them. Focus on the greatness of God. Do not see the height of the walls. Do not look at the strength of the walls around you. Do not look at the incurable cancer or TB or whatever you want to name, to name it. Do not look at your certificates. Sometimes you look at your certificates and they are like, what can this what job can my certificates give me? Do not look at what you cannot get or do not look at the impossibility that lies ahead of you, the walls that lies ahead of you. I want us to liken these walls, the walls of Jericho, to what you're going through today. What mountain are you facing today? What problem are you facing today? What is that difficult thing that you're facing today? And you think... Or you look at it and you're like, "Uh, this one, not even the money that I earn can sort it out. I need a car. But when I look at my pay slip, I don't think even the loan, the banks can give me a loan with it. When I look at what I bring home at the end of the month, I don't think I can buy a house or construct a house. You look at the things that are ahead of you and they look like impossibilities after impossibilities. Like you cannot really penetrate you cannot really. It, it just comes to block your your path. It is standing in the way. The Israelites Jericho was standing in the way. They just had one more city, but this city had walls, and they needed to bring them down. How many believe that you have the power to shrink your walls? How many believe that you have the power to make those walls come tumbling down? Because it is in you. You are a human being just like Joshua. You are a human being just like the Israelites. All it takes is for you to believe what God is saying. But if you concentrate on the burden, if you concentrate on your pain, if you concentrate on the trial, if you concentrate on the bigness of your problem, I can assure you today that your problem will appear insurmountable. It shall be so great. That mountain, the more you look at it, the more it shall be bigger. You rise up in the morning, you go, you look at it, it will look like it has gone, you know, like two, two inches higher. Because you're concentrating on it. You're concentrating on its strength. You're concentrating on how big it is. I present to you our king. The king of kings. The one who brings walls down. The one who is bigger than those mountains. The one who is bigger than those walls. He is bigger than cancer. He is bigger than joblessness. He is bigger than whatever situation you are going through. He is bigger. And if you concentrate on him, if you concentrate on his bigness, then these things are going to melt down. The walls are going to shrink because he is bigger than anything that you can ever imagine. The Bible says in Zechariah chapter 4 verse 7 Who are you, O great mountain Before Zerubbabel Who are you, O great mountain Before Zerubbabel You shall become a plain Before me Before Lusikimani You shall become a plain This is where Elder Alisa taught us some time How to confess the word of God And put your name in it This is where you rise up and say Who are you, great mountain Before Lucy. Because the Lord will make you as a mole, as a plane. He will level you. It is not me, not my certificates, not the anointing in my life, not my talents, not my giftings. It is nothing that I have done that will bring the mountains down. Who are you, mountain, before me? Not because I am the one who is going to bring. The Bible says, because the Lord, you will become like a mountain Before the Lord. And he shall bring the capstone with shouts of grace, grace. Psalms chapter 24 says, lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up you everlasting doors. And the King of kings, the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. When you look at God's word, God's word, over and over again, we are reminded of how magnificent, how powerful he is. How great he is. He holds the world in his hands. When you read Isaiah, let us read Isaiah from two versions. We read Isaiah chapter 40 verse 12. The Bible says, let's start from New King James Version. Who has measured the waters in the hollows of his hand? Measured the heaven with a span and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure. Weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in balance. 13, who has directed the spirit of the Lord or has or as his counselor taught him who can do that who has done that he measures the water in the hollow of his hands that's what the bible says in the hollow of his hands he measures the water when you read from New Living Translation NLT it says who else has held the oceans in his hands. And yet you think the mountain before you is bigger? Who else has measured the heavens with his fingers? The heavens with his fingers. And you think the mountain, the walls before you are bigger? Who else knows the weights Inchi ama kona He knows the weight of the earth, and you think your mountain is bigger? Who else has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? I don't know how how much more I can try to paint that fix. You know, that image in your your mind. When you start thinking about God, reading the word of God, what he says God is, what is that mountain? What are those walls before him? The second principle, follow God's direction. Follow God's instruction. No matter how strange they seem. No matter how stupid they look. No matter how foolish they look. Joshua is told, go around the city of Jericho. Surely they had conquered so many other cities before. Why would the Lord tell them to march around the city? Why is the Lord making them, you know, carry burdens? Because it's now another burden that he has brought them so far. They have been in a place where they have fought, they have fought with hunger. You know, they have, they have gone through all kinds of pain, through all kinds of, 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 of problems. Yet, yes, the Lord was with them and he gave them victory. And they have, they have an account of the victories that the Lord has given them. And they thought that Jericho would be just as... You know, the way God did it yesterday, we will still deal with Jericho today. Because surely it was the last city before they entered Canaan. The very last mountain they had to face. The very last problem they had to face. But God gives very strange instructions. Are we willing to follow God's instructions? No matter how strange they are. When God says, kneel. You kneel without asking questions. When God says you give, you give without asking questions. When God says you fast, you fast without asking questions. When God says go to Kenyatta National Hospital and pray for that person, you go without asking questions. No matter how strange it is. When you don't have flour or Ugali and the Lord says, bandika maji Chemke, will you do it? It looks strange. It looks stupid. It looks... Like God, man, I mean, surely, I am, I am wiser than that. I am better than that. And the Lord says, do it. We have many occurrences in the Bible where the Lord asks the people to do strange things. We have people who, like, 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 the, like the leprous Naman. He was sick. And Elisha comes. After he goes to Elisha. And he thought, because he was a prophet of God, he will just say a word or lay hands on him and his leprosy will be cleansed. But lo and behold, the Lord tells him, go and dip yourself in the river Jordan seven times and you will be cleansed. And Naaman is so hurt. He is so disappointed. And he, you know, he was a commander. He was, he, was, he was one of the big people, one of the big officers in the army. And he was like me, deep myself in River Jordan. Are there no better rivers where I come from? Strange instructions. But he needed healing. And the foolish Naman went from, from where he had met the man of God. He still went back home, leprous. First time. And the servant asked, <laughs> asked him... Would you, wouldn't you have done anything for you to be healed? And I think that's when reality struck him that, yeah, that, is, that was foolish of me. I have to strip off my crowns. I have to strip off my titles. If I need this healing, then I would rather as well go and dip myself in River Jordan and I'll receive my healing. We have stories after stories. We have people who have gone through... God giving them strange instructions to a point where they tell of great victories. Sunday we were being reminded how Abraham, God had promised him that through your son, I I will make you the father of nations through his offspring. You will have many nations. And yet, God tells him, go and sacrifice and offer up your son, your only son. As a sacrifice to me. Strange instructions. God can give you and he can also take it away. But he he wants to see whether you love him more than Isaac. Do you love God more than your job? Do you love God more than your children? Do you love God more than the money he has given you? Do you love God more than the titles he has given you? Do you love him more? Than the things that he has given you. This is a miracle service. But honestly how many of us are here. Because of the miracles that we need God to perform in our lives. Or that we would come every Sunday. Not just for the miracles. But because we hunger for the miracle worker. But because we need to have a relationship. With the miracle worker. And in the process we will get the miracles. The, father, the, the, the the men in the, old, in the New Testament, they followed Jesus. The following day, they were looking for Jesus. And Jesus heard that there are people looking for him. And he was like, I know they are following me because of the bread. Oh, that we will come every Sunday. Not because of the miracles. we keep testifying of what God has done in so-and-so's life. He did it for me last month. I know he can do it for me. That, not our needs that drive us. To the house of the Lord. But our need for Him. Our desire for Him. Joshua and the Israelites may not have understood. But they still followed the Lord's instruction, And they were victorious as a result. Everything that God had promised them. Came to pass. The Lord says in Isaiah chapter 55 verse 8. My thoughts are not like your thoughts. And my ways are far beyond anything that you could imagine. You think the Lord will use this door to come in, and he chooses to use this other door to come in. You cannot dictate. We have read that who can counsel the Lord? Who can instruct the Lord? It is him who gives instructions. So we open our hearts. If you really need to hear from God, you open your heart and you tell him, God, today, speak to me. But you think that maybe God will speak to you when pastor comes to preach. You think that God maybe will speak to you when Irene stands to speak. But maybe even God spoke to you when you were in your house. Maybe he used your house servant to speak to you. God can do anything. He can use anything. He can use anyone. Let us not limit him. He is God. He is God. He remains God. When he says do this. Do it without questions. Follow God's instruction. Follow God's directions. No matter what. God could have brought these walls down at the snap of His fingers or with the snap of His fingers. He would have just said, Walls, fall down. Because He is God. But He did not do that. God before critical battle, he basically told Gideon. We all know the story of Gideon. At one time he told Gideon, "The army that you have is too much. There are so many men in your army. If you want to go with me and to conquer these people, you need to cut down on your army." And he cut them down to 300. And what happened? Because he obeyed the Lord, he got the victory. As a human being, maybe he looked at it and he was like, 300, how can I defeat an army of thousands with 300? But in the real sense, actually, even they did not have to engage in battle. The Lord fought for the Israelites that day. Just follow simple instructions. God knows he has your best interest at his heart. The Bible says all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. To those who are in him. To those who love him. All things work together for good. It may seem like it is not working for you. It may seem like an impossible task. It may seem like things are not going the way you anticipated. It may seem like God has forsaken you. It may seem like nothing is working out for you. All around you look all around and darkness is all around you. All things work together for good because He is God. He has your best interest at heart. He says He has inscribed you at the palm of His hands. He knows you by name. He knows you. He knows you're down sitting. He knows you're rising up. And the psalmist says, "Where would I go from Your presence? Should I make my bed, you know, in at the you know, in the in the uttermost parts of the earth?" Or even under the earth, in the darkness, where would I go from your presence? He knows you. You are the people of his eyes. He defends what belongs to him. He is God and he loves you. Whatever battle you are facing, turn it to the Lord. Ask him for wisdom. Ask him, what is your battle plan for me to bring this walls down? Because in every battle, there is a battle plan. So just sit down and they draw a battle plan. How are we going to bring this, this situation under control? They sit down and, and how they are going to do it. Always, when you are faced with a situation that is beyond you, ask the Lord, what is your battle plan? What is your plan for me? How do I address this situation? Do I go and see the doctor? Or do I go and ask Pastor to lay hands on my head? What is your battle plan for me? Do I tell people that my husband is sick or do I just keep quiet? Because at some point the Lord may just want you to keep quiet and you may look like a foolish woman. What is the battle plan? Seek to know the plans of the Lord. Today you may feel that God is like miles away from you. You may feel like God has forgotten you or even you may feel like you are in a situation yes god has promised this word and you know what he is saying but it seems like you're not coming out it's an endless desert it's an endless you know an endless storm you are in nothing is working out for you you're trying this it's not working you start another one it's not working you are like the season is not ending and you feel like you're being frustrated frustrations after frustrations The problems are too many. Let me tell you, you don't need to handle them for yourself. Release them to the Lord. He is the one who knows what to do. He is God. Whatever He tells you to do, do it. Remember the story of Noah? When God told him to build the ark. And the men laughed at him. And Noah had the last laugh. Men laugh. Men may laugh at you today because of following an instruction that is not making sense. But you will have the last laugh. You will have the last laugh. As long as you are doing what God is calling you to do, as long as you are in God's perfect will, you will have the last laugh because you will see the victory coming through. You will see the Lord coming through for you As long as you are in God's perfect plan. That's why we are saying, ask God for direction. Let him draw out for you the battle plan. And he's going to give you the victory. Principle number three, make it a holy exercise. We learn from the story of Joshua and the battle at Jericho, the walls of Jericho, that holiness is very essential. It's an essential, very important key to victory. Why do we say that? We see God instructing Joshua, let the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant go ahead of you. The Ark of the Covenant signifies, symbolizes the presence of the Lord. And the presence of the Lord cannot dwell where there is unholiness. And that's why we are saying, make it a holy exercise. Invite the Lord in your battle. Invite the Lord when you're facing that wall. Invite the Lord. In that situation, make it a holy exercise. When the Lord is out, then be sure you will be out. You will be taken out by the enemy. If you want to conquer, then you must involve the Lord. Make it a holy exercise. In whatever battle you are facing today, bring God into the equation. Joshua 6, 6, we have read. And and, uh, God instructed the priests. They went ahead. They represented the presence of God. And when the Israelites were simply walking around the walls of Jericho, they were bringing, they were walking, they were they were actually like dictating the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord was walking around. It was not the Israelites walking around the wall. It was the presence of the Lord was backing them up as they were following the instructions walking day 1. The presence of the Lord was walking around Jericho day 1. Because the ark of the covenant was going ahead of them. You may feel as though you are all alone. But when God is in it, everything changes. It is not over. If God has not said, it is over. Just bring Him into your situation. He is a mighty healer. There is no sickness that He cannot heal. We say that. It sounds like a cliche, but it is true. Until you find yourself... Faced with a situation that really requires Jehovah Rapha to come through for you, that's when you realize. Kumbe, just saying the Lord is my healer is not a cliche. This is real, brethren. And you may now start even doubting whether you really had faith all those years that you've been confessing that the Lord is able to heal. Make it real. He is real. Engage him. Allow him. Invite him. No matter how big or small the battle is, let him be the one going ahead. Invite his presence. Let him take lead. Let him take control. Because he is God. It changes everything. It changes everything. Because when you allow him to take control, then he does it his way. He does not do it my way. He does not do it anybody else's way. He does it his way. If it is his battle, then he has it his way. If you make it your battle, and then you are going to, of course now you are going to try to fight it your way, then you are going to be defeated. And then you start blaming, oh, the Lord allowed me to do what, do what, he did not overcome, he did not help me come out of it, he allowed this problem, and yet you did not engage him. You did not allow him to come and help you through that situation. Principle number four, develop a culture of like-minded people. Surround yourself with people of faith. Surround yourself with people who are speaking the same language with you. Surround yourself with people who are speaking positive. Surround yourself with people who are speaking the Word of God. Surround yourself with men and women of prayer. Surround yourself with men and women who love being in the presence of God. Surround yourself with people who when, you, when they meet a situation, they don't see how, they don't see how, how high the wall is. They tell you the Lord will make it like a molehill. Have you been in a situation where, or maybe at your place of work or school or wherever you are, and all that the people around you, when, when something happens, all they speak is negative. They don't see good in it. They are always negative. Those are the people to cut yourself from. Because you will, the more they speak to you, the more they diminish. They, 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 they like, they like uh, uh, suck out the faith, the little faith that you had in God. When you prayed in the morning and you felt some faith rising, then you go to the office and you find people talking about Ushuru Kenyatak's. And then you start like saying, yeah, it's true, this guy, and then now the little faith that you had in your country is sucked out, it's sucked out, and you become as desperate as they are, as frustrated as they are, and there's no longer a distinction between you as a man or a woman of faith and them who are in the world, because you're speaking the same language of defeat. You are speaking the same language of being uh, of being under oppression. Can we change our language? Can we surround ourselves with people of like-mindedness, people who speak faith, people who see bigger things even in small things, people who see small things in big things. They see big words, there are big words, but they don't see them as big. They see them as as small. They see you driving your V's and they tell you, "I thank God, my brother, for your V8." Positive people who are positive-minded—they are men and women of faith. One time Moses sent out spies to go and spy Canaan, and I don't know whether you know there were there were twelve spies. Yeah? Can you remember the names of the ten? But you remember the name of the two Who brought a good report They were Joshua and Caleb You cannot even remember Even one name of the other ten Why? Or you think they were not listed in the Bible They are in the Bible Yes they are They are there In fact they are The way the Lord has The way even it is written of them this one, son of this one. This one, of this tribe. And Joshua and Caleb. But you only know of Joshua and Caleb. Because they had faith. And these are the only men who entered the promised land. Because they were men of faith. They chose to see themselves as men who can take that city. They knew that they had it in them and they could take it down. But the other men, what did they see? They saw giants. Were there giants in that land? Yes, they were. And they saw them. Everybody saw them. Even Joshua saw them. Even Caleb saw them. But this man decided to confess it and say, we were like grasshoppers. But Joshua and Caleb say, no, Moses, we are able to take the land. Change the people around you. If you are going to bring those walls down, then something must change, even the people surrounding you. Because if you want to continually speak the word of God, to continually confess the word of God because it is the word that stirs up faith in your heart. It is that faith that makes you believe in big things. It makes you believe in a bigger God. It makes you see a bigger God than your mountains, a bigger God than your walls. Then you will do anything or everything that is in your power to make sure you surround yourself with men of faith. It will make a difference. Amen? The last principle Consistency Follow through We see Joshua And the Israelites Day one They rise up very early in the morning And they are marching around the city It might have seemed maybe easy Day one Day two They are called again And they are told march around the city It may, may, may still seem not very bad Day three What do you think by day three happened? Don't you think there must have been some kind of form of weariness? Some form of doubt? Doubting? that, And this God that said this, is he sure? Are we sure that he's going to do this? Day four, you rise up again. By this time, you have domes. You have, your muscles have started, you know acting up and uh, you are like you are even literally dragging yourself because that city was also big and you are going around it you don't have chariots you don't have cars you don't have bicycles you are walking but guess what they had walked around the wilderness for 40 years men of faith said 40 years we had walked around the city what what You have suffered 40 years. You have toiled 40 years. You have been in pain one year, two years, three years. And the Lord just gives a simple instruction. Would you not do it? Would you not, like the four lepers say, whether we stay here, we perish. Whether we proceed, maybe we have chances are we might survive. So why don't we just engage a little faith? Why don't we just try and go? Consistency. It takes great discipline. A writer said that those 40 years, it's translated as 14,600 days of walking, putting one foot in front of the other, fourteen thousand six hundred days. So seven days, we are just one step away from entering into the promised land. Seven days, really. If I have walked fourteen thousand six hundred, I can do another several hundreds of feet. Yeah. Consistency. And they know. They knew that they were at the edge. Of their promise, so they are going to get it. God has said, 76 days, I will do it. They they knew they are going to do it. They knew that as they did it, as they followed through with God's instruction, day five, the women have given up. The children, they have given up. People are feeling they are tired and worn out. Day six comes. Same thing happens. They are tired, but they needed to follow through. What is? God living out the fruit of the Spirit. Love. Loving every day. Loving today, a little more won't hurt. It says, putting on the full armor of God. You put it on today, you don't get tired tomorrow. You don't say, tomorrow I will not take the sword. Let me just work with the shield. see. Forgiving every day. Eh? Every day you are forgiving. Someone hurts you. The same person or another one tomorrow hurts you. You forgive. You follow through with the instructions. Loving every day. Even the unlovables. You love them. Even those who are provoking you. You love them. Anyway, because you want to love them. Because the Bible has says, the word of God has says, you love them. What do you think God was doing in the hearts of the Israelites when they were going around the city those days? He was building their faith. He was build, It was not in vain. He was building their faith to believe in Him. To trust Him more. To know that He is able. He that has promised will bring, will bring it to fulfillment. Doing the right thing every day. And we were told during the conference a couple of weeks ago that your fruit goes ahead of you. You send your fruit ahead of you. Forbearance. Kindness. Long-suffering, self-control, every day. Rise up day one. You exercise self-control. Tomorrow, you don't give up. They provoke you, yes, but you still love them. Exercise self-control. Marching around the wall, Never giving up. Never le- letting go. You know what happens? You are tipping off the wall, piece by piece. As you walk, you're bringing one stone down. As you love another, you're bringing another stone down. As you forgive another, you are bringing one stone down. By the end of the seven days, what has happened? The walls have come tumbling down. The walls have shrunk to nothing because you engaged the Lord. You engaged the Lord. You followed the instructions. You walked with the Lord. He went ahead of you. He, he said do it, but he did not leave you to do it. He went ahead of you. It is not your battle. It is his battle. But as you engage in it, he is working on the flesh. He is working on yourself. He is working on your ability to, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, an ability to love and making you love more. He is molding you. He is shaping you. He is refining you. He's making you better. He's preparing you for the promised land. Hallelujah. You can shrink your walls. It is within you. You can bring them down. Amen. You can bring them down piece by piece. But you may bring one piece down and not think that there is any effect. There is any impact, but believe me, there is. there is, there is. there is something you're doing. That stone coming down has destabilized the whole wall. Another stone coming down has destabilized the whole wall. It can no longer be a farm. It cannot be called a fortress anymore. It cannot hold Rehab's house anymore. One stone off the wall. A little love. And the whole wall will come crumbling down. What is the wall that you are facing? What is the wall ahead of you? Are you able to deal with it? Can you deal with it? Are you able to deal with it? Why don't you be on your feet? Rise up on your feet. And let's shrink these walls. We have said we are going to shrink these walls. Amen. Principle number one. Principle number one. Principle number two. Follow God's instruction. Principle number three. A holy exercise. Principle number four, develop a culture of like-minded people. And number five, follow through. Follow through. Do not stop stop on day five. Do not stop when you are at the verge of having your victory. A little more prayer. A little more faith. And you will have your victory. What is standing in front of you? What is your wall? Give it a name. What is your wall? What is your wall? What is your wall this evening? What are you battling this evening? What is standing between you and your victory? What is standing between you and the promises of God? What is standing between you and what God has promised? Between you and your healing. You can bring it down. They want to give us an opportunity to just silently speak to God. Build your faith. As you meditate on what we are learning this evening, on the principles. Why don't we exhort the Lord above the mountain, above that wall, above that situation. God, you are bigger. You are bigger. You are bigger. You are bigger than myself. You're bigger than my thoughts. You're bigger than my imaginations. You're bigger than this condition.